And this is Dee Snyder for DraftKings. How much fun are people having with these fantasy teams? It's crazy. I mean, everybody's doing it. You see TV shows on it. I mean, why are they all doing it? Because they're having a ball. Well, your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. Got an injured player? Ain't no problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same lame players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. Every week, someone gets a million bucks. You could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Just pick your players, pile up the prints, and pick up your cash. That's it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Now hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code SNIDER, S-N-I-D-E-R, please, to play for free for a shot at $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Go enter Snyder. It helps my show out. Obviously, it does. S-N-I-D-E-R for free entry now. Only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Let's play. Good to be home. What a week. What a week. Back in my home studio, by the way. I have been, uh, so much has happened. Uh, I have been traveled far and wide. And I've lived to tell the tale. Welcome to this week's Snyder Comments. So, uh, what was, where was I? What did I do? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Like the fact that, um, on the 19th, it was the 30th anniversary of the Senate hearings. And I did quite a bit of press on that. Um, I wasn't available. I could have done a lot more, but I wasn't really that available due to my schedule with other things. But the interesting thing about that is almost to a man when it came to rock media or, or uh, rock radio or the rock press, a man or woman, they wanted to talk about the Paul Stanley D. Snyder feud. Let's do the feud. Here, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to tie this out. This is great. The attention being shined on this important event. Uh, 30th anniversary, fighting censorship, yada, yada, yada. So what's up with you and Paul? I was like, oh, great. Here we go. Um, I went to uh, Rio de Janeiro. I uh, had a flight there, which was, I uh, went there to sing with a band called Angra, a Brazilian band, was performing at Rock and Rio, and I, I've never played there with Twisted. I don't know why we haven't been invited. Maybe because we're, we're buffoons and wannabes. We have played Brazil, played pretty big shows there, but not done Rock and Rio. So I wanted to experience that. So when Angra asked me to come and sing a couple songs, I accepted the invitation, and it was uh, it was uh, way cool, as one would say, rocking out in front of eighty five hundred thousand people, lit those mother effers up. Uh, I hope some of you saw it on Periscope. I experimented with that Periscope thing. Um, you know, I've heard so much about it with that Periscope. There it goes, spoken like a true old person. I'm old. I'm I'm I messed with that Periscope Periscope thing. Uh, at least I got the name right. Uh, trying to explain it to my parents, that was that was insane. So, so what's it called? A Ferris, a, a Ferris wheel? No, Periscope. Uh, and uh, I had some success in broadcasting at least pieces of the performance live. It's a really cool 
app and a cool thing, which I hope to use more in the future. But, uh, you know, here I was on stage in Rio de Janeiro, and in real time, people all over the world were getting to experience uh, me at Rock and Rio and see what was going on there. So that was kind of cool. And I flew, I flew from, um, from the West Coast to uh, Rio de Janeiro, which I'll get to uh, more in a minute. Did Rock and Rio, went right from Rock and Rio, went to the airport, got on a plane, flew for 10 hours uh, to New York. Slept on the plane, got in a car, drove out to uh, my 13th annual uh, Ch- D. Snyder Charity, Ride for Charity, uh, an annual event that I do to raise money for the less fortunate. March of Dimes was my cause for quite a while, now raising uh, money for the hungry on Long Island. And that was uh, where I grew up. Shocking to find that more than 10% of Long Islanders need help putting food on the table. You know, so, you, know you don't think so often about people in suburbia in 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 you know in in you know not impoverished places needing help but you know everybody falls down sometime and uh and it's uh, Harry Chapin started this foundation LI cares it's called Long Island cares and I'm proud to continue his work and we had a, a really successful ride and then uh after spending some time oh this is interesting. so um I stay <laughs> I I you know, I don't live on the East Coast anymore, so when I do go to the West Coast, I need to take the opportunity to go visit my mom and dad, and I'm fortunate they're still with me, uh, with us. Uh, they're in their 80s. So I went, and I stayed overnight. Now, the house they live in is not the house I grew up in. I would say you know that there's no going back home when your parents downsize the house they're in, and there's no room for you anymore which was the case with the house my parents are in now. I moved out at like 18, moved back in at 19, moved out again at 20. And uh, by the time I was 21, um, they had sold that house and moved to a smaller house. And I, you know, and, and I, you know, and they would say, no, we didn't do it for that reason. We didn't need such a big home anymore, you know, and, um, which as an adult now I understand, but at the same time, there, you know, there was, it, I couldn't help but notice that where I, when I went out at 18 and screwed up and, you know, ran out of money and had to go home again, there was a home to go to. Now it was a huge inconvenience if I came back. So, you know, I made sure that I didn't have to come back. But this said, I went and stayed with my mom and dad, which was great. And uh, so they had me in one of the guest rooms, a guest room. Well, there's multiple guest rooms now because, you know, all everybody's moved out of the house now. There were six kids, so they did have like three bedrooms or four bedrooms, and now they're, you know, they're sort of closed off. But I go in one of the rooms, and they go, the bed's a little small, but it's comfortable. Uh, I walk in the room, and it is my bed from childhood. I mean, the bed that I... I don't remember another bed. I remember my crib, and I, 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 this bed I had at least since I was a teenager. So if that bed could talk, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sleeping in my bed as a very grown man, which was weird. I mean, you know, certainly you know, I wonder how I fit two people in that twin bed. If you know what I mean. Um, and when we stacked them, yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, and I look across the room and there is my dresser that at 16 my parents had bought for me. Uh, and it, what they call um, naked furniture. It needs to be stained. So I was handed a piece of naked furniture and said, okay. I'm like, um, it's not finished. Yeah, you got to stain it. What am I, a Quaker? I mean, it's like, so I, I had to stain my own furniture. And I did a terrible job. I'm 16. Staining, I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know. So I, and there's stain drips all over this thing. It was a terrible job. Now you figure that was 1971. You would figure these are items that you would throw out. This terrible piece of furniture that our son stained horribly. The minute he leaves the house, it's like, okay, and we're getting rid of that. No, it is the dresser in the guest room. 
blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Though I did, though I did sleep quite soundly in my little bed. Um, so uh, yeah, so then I, you know, after uh, visiting there and seeing my son Shane, who's out there. Okay, I'm really getting a little ridiculous now. I'm giving you too many details. Stopping by the Friars Club because I am a member of the Friars Club, proud proud member of the Friars Club. Uh, I, you know, headed back home here just so I could do this podcast. Yeah, that's why. Um, but the, the now the story I do want to tell you though is that, and this isn't the subject of this week's show. The subject of this week's show is fitness. Uh-oh, more of that in a minute. But um, uh, but I, I have, in the past, trashed airlines. Trashed. As you well know, just go back a few episodes, and I have gone off. I, 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 I harbor a deep hatred for certain airlines, for their, you know, for their, for their things they've done to me. This said, as somebody mentioned out, mentioned it's funny though, you know, you could do something, somebody could do something to you 20 years ago. And since then, you know, they've completely changed the company. They had new people in charge. They've revamped everything. Yet we carry these grudges with us, you know. So I was flying on American Airlines and due to a bit of confusion, I had to, it was a connecting flight in Miami, then going to Rio de Janeiro. So I flew from the West Coast to Miami, which was like five and a half hours, got off the plane, gathered my bags, rechecked in, and had to recheck in, and then go back through security and then get catch the plane. Had two-hour layover. Seemed like enough time. Well, wouldn't you know it, flight's delayed, baggage comes out as slow as molasses, shocker. Um, I get the bags, I get to the counter, and the counter's closed because it's an international flight. And, you know, that's why I say to get the international flights two hours beforehand. Well, you know, part of that is they've got like, uh, you know, they, they have to, a certain amount of time they need to process everything. I get there after, there's nobody at the counter. I get there after it's processed. I see a woman there. And rather than getting, you know, getting mad because you get nowhere doing that, I just sort of implore on clock is ticking and I got to get this plane to Rio de Janeiro to, to do Rock and Rio. And the woman looks at me kind of hopelessly and goes, I, you know, I, I don't know what I can do. This is computers. It's shut down. And I was like, well, you know, I actually was ticketed through. I said, can you get my bags maybe into the next flight? And now I'm picturing, uh, I've, I've, had, I've been there for that. They put your bags on the next flight. It's like, say goodbye to your bags. And this is why I carry my stage clothes with me at all times. Because I will carry them on the plane no matter what. So at least I don't want to get to the city I can perform. I may not have a fresh pair of underwear or a toothbrush, but I'll have my stage clothes. So a uh, woman says, well, I'll, let me see what I can do. Let me talk to the manager. Talk to the whatever it is. She leaves. And there I am, clock ticking, and I am and and counting down and I'm texting my my road manager he's already in Brazil and I'm like I'm you know I'm it looks like I'm going to miss the flight blah 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 this and that I can't get my bags on I don't know where this woman went time's clicking by all of a sudden I see the woman running not from behind the counter from she's obviously left the area and gone somewhere and in her hand she has two luggage tags already printed out and she's running to the counter talk about above and beyond I said, what's going on? She was like, got your bag. I, I imagine getting luggage tags. I said, oh, man, they're never going to make the flight. She goes, don't worry. We'll get them on the plane. They'll be there. Just go. Get your plane. How cool is that? I go to security. I have to go back through security. I go there. I go going through. I strip. You know, I'm always wearing things that are too much metal. Take off all the basics. Go through. Still ringing. Must be my jewelry. Usually silver jewelry and watches don't ring out, but... I, I said, take, it's, it's, it's your jewelry. All right, take it off my jewelry, take off my watch, and I'll watch. I'm not saying this to brag, okay? I'm saying this because it, when, when I get to the next part of the story, it will add to the significance of what I went through. Uh, watch is a very expensive watch. And I'm, I'm sure you know that there are watches that are, you know, $20, and there are watches that are $20,000. They're out there. 
So this is a very expensive watch. I just got it, and I, I didn't have a chance to put it on my insurance policy. I've already given away what happens. I go running through security, gather up my stuff, run out, catch the plane, and make a time, get on the plane. I'm up at 45,000 feet, flying to Rio de Janeiro. I say, you know, let me adjust my watch. Where's my watch? I left it at security. I am kind of freaking out. Uninsured, really expensive. You hear horror stories about stuff disappearing. I'm kind of freaking out. The uh, the um, steward, they don't call him steward, they call him flight attendant, uh, sees my distress and said, what's going on? And uh, I said, well, I tell him what happens. He goes, look, they got cameras all over the place. You know, this, you know, uh, it's probably going to be, a, he, he consoles me and makes me feel a little better. He goes, we have internet. That internet going to Brazil, which is unusual. Get online. I am literally, it's the middle of the night. I'm waking up everybody I know to re, to contact I'm not going back to Miami, by the way, to co- contact Miami. They've got my stuff. Um, the, the the flight attendant comes over and says, "Listen, you know, uh, your problem isn't isn't the uh, you know at the security. Your problem is lost and found. They don't call it lost and found for a reason. Something's lost. Somebody's going to find it." Uh, he didn't say that. My word's not his. He goes, "You got to get somebody over to the airport and collect your stuff as soon as possible. The longer it sits there." the worse it can be. So I'm on the computer again, reaching out, contacting people. They find, some, you know, track somebody down. They go, they're heading to the airport. They're not there. They say they're going to get there in a few hours. At the, at, when I'm leaving the plane, the flight attendant says, here, here's my, I'm going back to Miami in two days. If something happens, here's my contact info. Uh, I'll go out and I, I'll see what I can do to help you if I can find your stuff for you. So reach out to me. How cool was that? Well, I found my stuff. My stuff was secured. I didn't have to reach out to the flight attendant. But I am going to say, and you know, say, you know, I badmouthed the shit, the hell, out of airlines when they screw up. I should at least speak highly when they do something cool. So American Airlines, I tweeted this, and I say it again, bravo, going above and beyond. And I don't know, did they know who I was? Maybe they did. Was it because of who I was? I don't think so. I think it was the woman at the counter. It was more because she saw that look in my eyes going, that, that oh, my God, I'm going to miss the show look. And the, the, the flight attendant, he saw a person who was, you know, I mean, imagine you're 45,000 feet in the air and a very expensive, think wedding ring. Think, you know, think something, you know, just incredibly expensive. You think you've lost it. And, how, and what can you do? You can't turn around. You can't go get it. So he was kind enough to console me and help me and offer me help. So thank you. And I tweeted that. Of course, people said, well, bravo, American Airlines, bravo. And then some people said, yeah, well, they couldn't get me on the flight to San Juan. We were stuck two days. Yeah, people were sounding off. So I didn't say that. I just said I had a, when I have a bad experience, I yelled, uh, you know, people, and, and people do. When I have a good one, people rarely talk about the good stuff. They talk about the bad. So, you know, make a note. When someone does something good, give them some due props once in a while. All right, so this week's show is about fitness. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Hey, this is D. Snyder for True Car. Uh, I got to tell this story again because I, I told it last week, and I still can't believe how accurate a statement I made on this a commercial on this show for True Car came to life in my own life with my son Cody and his purchase of a car that he overpaid for. It is haunting him. He went into the car dealer. I told it last week. It bears telling it again. When the car dealer, him and his girlfriend, their first car they're getting, and they thought they had all together, they were being so smooth, they had their facts, they had all this stuff. They thought they were taking this car salesman for a ride. You are never taking the car salesman for a ride. No one takes them for a ride. They're salesmen. They walked out with not the car they wanted, not the model they wanted, upgraded, extras they didn't want, paying more than they wanted, and when they got out, they found out they paid more than other people for the same car. And not a day goes by that it doesn't eat at them 
that they're driving this thing, and they're going to have it for a few years at least, right? Driving this car that they were basically viewed they were ripped off. It has undermined their relationship, I tell you. I tell you because they each blame the other one. And I try to talk them off the roof. I say, I got good news for you. Now, the next time you get a car, you're going to be able to get clarity in pricing. You're not going to pay thousands more than the guy next door did for the same car. You're going to know what's fair, okay? Because you can research buying a car all you want. There's really only one place to get the most comprehensive car pricing information available. And the truth is, car prices can vary even within your area. So when you know the car you want and you're ready to buy, there's only one place to go, True Car, and use the True Car app. No headaches, no hassles, just the car you want at a price you can feel good about and that won't haunt you for the next three or four years that you own the damn vehicle. You can now go online to find the fair price on a new car via True Car. Now with True Car, you can see what others in your area have paid for the exact same car you're looking for, and this helps you determine a fair price. Then you get a guaranteed savings certificate from a True Car certified dealer. Your savings will be honored by a True Car certified dealer without the need to negotiate. When you go in and negotiate with a salesperson, that is when you are a dead man walking. You got to go in there. Price is preset. There's no discussion. There's no argument. You know you got the price, and a True Car certified dealer isn't going to fight you. They're going to take your certificate and say, all right, here it is. This is what you're paying. And by the way, True Car users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. That means average. That means some more, some less. So there's some people out there saving five k off the manufacturer's suggested retail price. No hassles, no headaches, no regrets. It's how car buying was always meant to be. Over 2 million cars have already been sold by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. There are over 10,000 dealers in the True Car Certified Dealer Network. You will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. It's that easy. So visit TrueCar.com or download the True Car app and start saving today. True Car. Never overpay. Never regret. Welcome back to Snyder Comments. So you're saying DY Fitness, what's the deal? Um, people are, uh, how's that? What, what Snyder Comments? What Snyder com- Look, is this, I, don't, I don't know what this show is exactly. It is uh, certainly a train of thought and things that, that, uh, that you know, come to me or things that happen to me or questions asked me or experiences or whatever. And I share those with, people, with you guys. And, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying it. But people are always asking me about my physical condition because here I am at 60 years old and I am really fit and really healthy and they see me, look at me physically and, 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 and it's obvious my muscle tone and my, my gait, if you will, uh, they see me perform and uh, they scratch their heads because I mean, I know that I'm not what I was in my 20s, but for the average person, uh, they see virtually no difference. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was so intense, my body would vibrate like a tuning fork. You know, so like everything I was doing, there was this vibration going on that's just like sort of like it's uncontrollable just from the energy that was just seething through me. From, from anger and hostility and all those things. That's gone now. So I don't vibrate anymore, but I perform uh, very aggressively and very intensely. You know, and, and people, again, the reactions are extreme because they don't expect a 60-year-old and the other 60-year-olds aren't or 50-year-olds or 20-year-olds aren't doing what Dee Snyder's doing. And if you say, what, are you, what is Dee talking about? Easily just go YouTube uh, find something from just you know any show this summer. Uh, find uh, you know any photos, and you, you'll see my physical condition. And so, so there as what do you do? What do you you know share the secret? So, I, so I'm going to do that because 
it is a secret, but it's not really a secret. And it is a commitment, but it's not the commitment you think it is. All right, it's not. Uh, it's not a, a. You know, it's and it's not. You know, and people want the want like the miracle drug or the miracle, you know, exercise or the miracle cure, and it's not. And that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because it means it's within everybody's grasp. It doesn't require some crazy commitment seven days a week, four hours a day in the gym. You know, it's not that at all. But at the same time, there's kind of no excuse not to get it together. Okay? And it's a much it's a much bigger commitment in regard to uh, the amount of time. Well, let me let me explain. Let me say. First of all, it's not so much a specific workout regimen, it's more of a life attitude. Okay? It's it's a way I view it, a way I've always viewed it. That you know, for starters, life is a is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And to, when we're young, we view it like it's a sprint. Uh, and partially because we think we're immortal, partially because, you know, some of us don't think we're going to live that very long, partially because we view 30 and 40 as being old and that it's kind of over by that time you get that age. I know I did. So, you know, why, why like, why, don't, why view it as a marathon? But... I got the idea, at least in part, early on, and I'll get to that. And I guess a life attitude, you know, I did um, Celebrity Apprentice, I did uh, The All-Stars with Trace Atkins. Great guy. Country singer, deep voice, big guy, cool guy, man. Really like him. Wish I could spend more time with Trace. And when, when I was on the show, because I was, I was short-lived on the, on, on the, on the um, All-Stars, and that's a story for another day, um, Trace said something which was very funny, but very wrong. And Trace was describing his life's philosophy, and he said, and I'll do it in a Trace voice, but I can. he goes, this is, how, this is my life philosophy. Never run when you can walk. Never walk when you can stand. Never stand when you can sit. And never sit when you can lay down. And we all laughed, because he's this tall, he's this tall slow cool guy and he's just sort of chill all the time you know except when he gets pissed off and but that's wrong it's a funny statement to make really that it should be the opposite never lay when you can sit never sit when you can stand never stand when you can walk never walk when you can run the re- that reverse Attitude will lead you to an incredibly vibrant and healthy life. The trace one will lead you to a slow decline and, a, and ultimately a wheelchair. Okay. Now, part of my you know, life attitude has come through epiphanies I've had in my life. These mo- epiphanies. There's, your, there's a word for the week, kids. Epiphanies. Look it up. Um, I've had three fitness epiphanies in my life that led me to a, a life of, of health and fitness. And I'm, I want to give you a warning uh, here. I am not going, if, you know, if you're ready to turn this off, go ahead, you know, if you want to. But I'm, I'm, I got good news in that it's not as crazy a commitment as you're going to think, I'm not going to lay out something that's impossible, and I'm not going to tell you you're never going to enjoy, you're never going to rest, and you're never going to eat anything you like. No, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. So stay with me, and this will be something that will be helpful to you. This, will be, this, this could be enlightening, okay? So my first epiphany happened around when I was 13 years old, okay? I was... In a department store with friends, and I was on the escalator, and I noticed on the escalator uh, that there was uh, people who were on the escalator riding it, and riding it is the op- operative word. 
they were standing on it and they were heavy and they were old and hunched and, and you know, well, they're old, everybody's old compared to a 13 year old, but they were not fit. And I noticed there was a flight of stairs right next to the escalator. And my 13 year old brain correlated this inactivity, these people riding the escalator. Mitch Hedberg had a great thing about escal- the cool thing about escalators is that they're, they're, if they break down, they turn into stairs. You know, sorry for the convenience. They should, <laughs> the sign should be, you know, escalator broken. Sorry for the convenience. Now it's stairs. And they were, you know, where I was a kid, I was 13, and I was walking up the escalator stairs, you know, because kids are you're, you're very anxious to get someplace. But they were just standing there waiting for it to take them to their destination. And I said, this is why these people look like that. And I said, and I, and I swore to myself that day, 13 years old, and I've li- never, I, if there, I swear to God, that was my ultimate pledge to myself, swearing to God. If there is a stair- flight of stairs next to any escalator, I will take those stairs till I am in- up and down until I am incapable of walking anymore. When I ride that escalator, when there's a flight of stairs right next to it, that is going to be because I can no longer, I'm no longer capable of walking. And at 60 years old, I swear to you, I've stuck with that. Even when I have luggage. Unless it's like a ridiculous amount. You know, it's four or five pieces. But if I had a couple of bags, upstairs. Okay, more about that later. Now, I was, I was always an active aerobic kid. You know, running around. You know, playing outside, uh, riding bicycles, you know, always running instead of walking. You know, I mean, that I was a kid, at least, you know, a kid in the 60s, because that's another for later in this conversation about kids today. I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. And I was the only long hair in gym with an A-plus average. I, I had to work from the time I was 13. That's why I had money to go to the department store. So I was never able to go out for sports teams. But I was athletically pretty together. And uh, so, and, and this is the early 70s in high school. Uh, you know, people, no, not everybody had long hair. Only the freaks. And, most, and the freaks were all, for the most part, victims uh, where I was not. I was a long hair uh, in gym and an A-plus average. Uh, but this is leading to the epiphany too. follow this road because I was in rock bands all the time. And you know, I didn't do never did drugs. I never drank. And certainly that's helped me. It's not, never smoked, never did drugs, never drank, drank. And I'm not going to uh, get into that uh, aspect of things. Uh, it's a personal choice. Do I recommend it? Yes, I do. Uh, it's a better way. It's a healthier way. Uh, you know, these things do take their toll on you. But even without them, my dedication to a rock and roll vampire lifestyle was taking its toll on me physically. You know, I'm running around on stage every night playing bars, but I'm out in clubs, you know, all night long. And, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a rocker. And it was taking its toll, which leads to epiphany number two. At about 25 years old, I'm sharing a place with my brother, Matt, who was a gymnast bodybuilder uh, in his youth. And my brother, Matt, is about four years younger than me. So he's like 21. I'm 25. And me and Mark the Animal Mendoza, we uh, come back from being out all night before playing one of the clubs, and we're in the kitchen, and we're, you know, we're all pumped up. We're making a little too much noise. And Matt, we wake Matt up. Matt's, a day, you know, Matt's working a day job. Matt comes out. Just woke up. He's got a towel around his waist covering his, his, his junk. And he goes, hey, dude, it's quiet down out there. And he is just bristling with muscles. Bristling. And I looked at my younger brother, and I looked at me, and I am emaciated from, you know, eating like crap, living like crap, you know, not, I mean, I'm aerobically sound from running around, but I am, I am drug skinny without taking drugs i'm a rocker i'm going damn 
I got to get my shit together. So I decide, epiphany two, right then and there, I am going to work out. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get in shape. All right. I don't want to be scrawny guy. So, and, and, you know, and I, and I make my pledge. You know, whatever that pledge, you got to get leverage on yourself, people. So whatever your pledge to yourself is that makes you want to do it, it makes you follow through. For me, it was, I swear to God. I was a choir boy. I went to church every Sunday until I was 19 years old. That was a big deal. Swearing to God. You don't swear to God, you know, unless you, unless you mean it, because you get struck by lightning. It, that's, that's how I viewed it when I was a kid, you know. So I swear to God, I'm going to get in shape. And that was, it was like a Saturday, Monday, I get up, we have Monday off and I go to the gym, down to the gym that Matt works out at. And I walk in and there's, and it's a hardcore gym and all, and here I am, scrawny guy, walk, is scrawny rocker and all these bodybuilders are in there. And the guy comes up and he says, oh, what are you doing? And I said, I, I want to start working out. He goes, all right, let me write up a workout for you. He writes a page and a half of a workout. That is frying my brain. And I'm standing in the middle of the gym, looking around all the equipment. I've got the, I've got the, the thousand-yard stare. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Uh, you know, And I'm already losing hope. I'm looking at this page and a half, a legal page and a half, of scrawled exercises from this muscle head. And I am going, I can, can't do this. And... Thankfully, my brother Matt walks in and he goes, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, oh I want to start working out. You know, here I'm the older brother and now I'm the, I'm the, I'm the kid, you know, to the, to the younger brother. And they gave me this work and he looks at it, he goes, what are you kidding me? And he takes a pen out, crosses it out, crosses it out, crosses it out, crosses it out, hands me like, I don't know if it was four or five, six exercises, a reasonable amount of exercises. He says, start here. If you want to go further, go further. Okay? And that allowed me, I said, okay. I looked at this like half a page or a quarter a page of exercises. Okay, curls. I know what curls are. Bench press. I can do bench press. You know, a tricep exercise. Okay, cool. Leg, you know. And I said, all right, I can do it. And because Matt gave me something that I, could, uh, you know, that I could wrap my brain around, achievable, and that's what I'm going to give you also. I'm going to tell you, is, and I'll probably repeat this later on, is, is don't overload yourself from the get-go. Give yourself something that you can commit to, because this is the important part, the commitment, and stick with. So I don't care if it's friggin' five minutes. Just... Make it five minutes and do the five minutes and stick with the five minutes. And you and probably you'll find yourself building it up to 10, 20, but it'll go from there. But, you know, which I did. I got more and more into it as I started seeing results. But you got to start out small. But that was epiphany too. Since that day, I have always worked out in some capacity. As a matter of fact, I used to sneak into that gym after a while because I didn't have the money. I was broke rock and roller. Sneak in and work out. And uh, one day, the owner of the gym comes in and sees me working out. You know, basically, I'm stealing from him. And uh, he throws me out in front of everybody. Makes a big scene out of throwing me out. And throws me out of the gym. And I turn to him and I say, "Motherfucker! This is this guy's a giant." All right. One day I'll own this place, and I run out the door. You know, I mean, like, you know, brave man running out the door. And I can hear him laughing as I'm outside the door. One day I'll fucking own this place. Point of interest is that when Twisted Sister, because, you know, I'm in Twisted at this point, 25, we start right around that time is when we started signing our first record deals. Um, One important question whenever we recorded our records was, uh, where is there a gym nearby? And the record execs, couldn't believe it. They've never, never experienced, you know, bands saying, is there a bar nearby? Is there a strip club nearby? Is there a gym nearby? And my band members, though not where I was at, they were all into staying fit as well. We would run, we would train, you know, especially when we're recording because you're off the road and you need to stay in shape. So when you go back out on the road, you're ready to rock, you know? So, uh, and 
when my band finally broke, by the way, all of my rock and roll dreams started coming th- true. Uh, I went back and I bought that chip. I heard it was on the market and I said, all right, now. I said, I'm buying that gym. And I didn't even, like, I refused to even go down to the closing of the gym because fuck that guy who embarrassed me in front of everybody. You know, I'm, I'm not going to give him the pleasure of having me there, the rock star. And uh, Suzette went down to close on the gym, as a matter of fact, and she and and she said that that he just kept saying throughout the whole closing. He said, "One day, motherfucker, I'm going to own this place." And now he owns this place. Holy shit! One day, I'm going to own this place, motherfucker. That was pretty sweet, though. Truth be told, as a non uh, as a, as an owner of a property not on premises, as he was, people started sneaking in and working at my gym for free. To the point where eventually I lost a fortune and had to close the place because I was getting ripped off. So uh, that's called karma, baby. I stole from this guy, and now you know I thought I was so cocky buying the gym, and now I got stolen from. And I know why he was so upset when he was throwing people out, uh, threw me out of the place. But at that point, when I bought the gym, I did start training with a trainer. And that's a cool thing to do if you can afford it or if you can, even at any time, it's kind of helpful. And I, I did it for a real, relatively short amount of time in my working out career, but it really helped me to better understand and, and perfect working out and really understand how, you know, they're saying strictness is thickness, you know, and that the importance of doing the exercises accurately and how they exactly work. You know, you're doing the exercises and you're throwing up the, you're doing bench presses and you're, and you're arching your back and no, you can't do that. You know, that's, that's, that's cheating. It takes away the, it doesn't give you the results that you'll get if you do it strictly. You may not be able to throw up as much weight without arching your back and pushing off your feet and cheating like a bastard, but you'll get a better uh, a better result if you do it more strictly. So for a short time, when I owned that club, I did train with a trainer, and we did spend more hours than normal in the gym, something I've only did for a very short time. But uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, no, like I said, if you ever have the opportunity, do it. Now, it should be noted that when you're young, your metabolism is much higher. And that's also when you're at your most active, theoretically. Kids, kids today are inactive and fat. They do not, uh, and this, is, uh, may, um, this may be an overgeneralization, but I do not think it is because I've watched suburbia from up close. And the time they spend on a couch playing video games and not outside running around, riding a bicycle, getting driven from place to place by mom and dad, you know, the human car service. Um, my parents, you know, they made me walk or ride my bike everywhere, no matter what time of year it was. Now it's like, oh, it's cold outside. It's rainy outside. So, so kids today, I mean, I can't believe when I've gone to school events, you know, in my day, the chubby kid, the husky kid, the fat kid was the oddity. This is just a, a hard truth, harsh truth. Today, the skinny kid, the truly thinny, thin kid is an oddity, a standout. And my kids were all those kids, were those kids. Um, not that they didn't play video games and not that they weren't, you know, couch potatoes, but they, you know, they did, I guess, you know, lead by example, they did ultimately get more, maybe we were a little less uh, mollycoddling, even though we're quite the mollycoddlers. You don't know what that is, you can find that in the dictionary as well. We're quite the mollycoddlers, but maybe a little less mollycoddlish than some of the parents out there. But it, it, today, it's a real problem. So you can imagine if you're young, when your metabolism has been high, and you're at your most active, and you're getting fat, what happens once your metabolism changes in your late 20s, all right? Because you're eating as a kid, you can get away with, if you're, if you're you know, relatively active, you can get away with eating anything. And you're pretty, and, and my feeling is you should enjoy it because those late 20s come too fast. And when they do, metabolism change, and suddenly you're going, whoa. 
Now, I didn't notice the metabolism change until I was about 32 years old. And that was because I was always on the road and, and aerobically running around and twisted sister, very active. So you know, even if I was eating a lot, I was burning it off. It was after the Come Out and Play tour that we took our first long break between records. And during that time, I didn't stop eating the way I'd always been eating. And now my aerobic exercise had, you know, imagine I'm running around for an hour and a half on stage five days a week. Suddenly you stop doing that and you keep eating the same way. By the time Love is for Suckers tour came, Suzette is making me stage outfits that are nicely hiding my rolls of fat. Rolls of fat! You know, I mean, I'm not like obese, but I'm not rail, rock, and roll thin, which I was. And I now also add to the fact that I've got money. I'm rich. So I'm not playing, not recording, living life to the fullest. Uh, I'm having a great time. And I am getting out of shape. Love is a Sucker's Tour starts, and epiphany number three happens to me. The third and final one. First night of the Love is a Sucker's Tour, I'm on stage. I think we were in Maine. I'm not sure. It could have been Vermont. First song in, I attack it with the gusto that I always do. Halfway through, I am winded. Remember Axl Rose on the MTV Awards when he came out of retirement? <laughs> when he burst onto that stage? And uh, suddenly you realize he wasn't able to sing the words or breathe. That happened to me. And I am humiliated. I mean, the audience is there, and they may not remember it. I'm turning around. I'm trying to catch my breath. I can't run fast. I can't sing properly. And I, this Epiphany 3, never again. I'm going to get my shit together. This will not happen to me again. I will not embarrass myself. I will not let myself go down this road. And immediately starting a Love of Suckers tour, which was the last Twisted tour, I immediately started dieting. And within a week or so, I had burned off the extra weight. I had cut down, you know, I had started to eat better, got my food to stuff together, realizing I'm now 32 years old. I can't do what I've been doing all these years. All right, the secret to staying fit and healthy is consistency, all right? Consistency and good health and fitness is a cumulative effect. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not, it's not some magic elixir. It's doing a little bit regularly for a, forever. Working out a little bit, running a little bit, eating right a little bit, but with, but consistently for years and years and years. And that's why, when you'll have the effect that I've had and you'll see what I've had. Okay. This is, um, now, and this, I'm talking about a couple of days a week workout, 45 minutes, a couple of days a week of aerobic, 30 minutes. Okay. And I believe, okay, that, uh, and, you know, four days a week, if you do more, you get more results. But I, I promise you, if you keep that up regularly, you will see results and get results. Now, I believe aerobic is the key to long life and health and all that kind of stuff. So mix it up. And that's another thing. Don't get bored. Change it. Run for a run, do the step, stationary bike, Stairmaster, treadmill. I rode BMX for a while, trail bike. Anything that's going to get you that 30 minutes of aerobic, bringing the heart rate up. Mix it up. Mix it up regularly. Mix it up. You know, I run for a while. Then I, you know, when it gets cold, I do the step inside or stationary bike. Or then I changed out. I got into BMX for a little while at an old age, rode a trail bike. But change it up because boredom is the death of of consistency. 
you know, doing the same thing over and over and over will make you insane and it'll discourage you. And you also won't get as good results. Mixing it up does, in all regards, gives you a better result. Let me take a break. I'll come back with more. Hey, listeners, it's D. Snyder. I just want to take a minute to thank all my great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting my sponsors and this podcast. All of your contributions help make this show possible. And I wanted to remind you that you can support my sponsors by going to my show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast banner, and there you'll see all my wonderful sponsors that help keep this show going. Please do this. I want this show to stay on the air. My wife's getting a little tired of me dragging all this gear all over the known world with me on our vacations and everything. And she says, why are you doing this for free? You like hearing yourself talk? I do like hearing myself talk. But obviously, I w- <laughs> ultimately, I need this show to make me a moneymaker. In addition to my sponsors, you can also support the podcast by using my Amazon banner. Amazon offers to show a small commission on any product you purchase. So if you're using Amazon anyway, like me, please use my banner. You can even use my Amazon banner if you're located in Canada or the UK. Also, to make it easier for all future purchases, feel free to bookmark my Amazon URL. It don't mean nothing. Oh, hey, thanks again for all your support. And now back to my show. The NFL 2015 season is well underway. And Podcast One's got you covered 24-7 with network studs like Dan Patrick. Is Peyton Manning still a top five player? Plus Rich Eisen and Ian Fitzsimmons. Ex-big game champs like The Stinkin' Truth with Mark Schlereth, who provides you with weekly picks and NFL A-listers. Mike Shanahan, is there a place where you could see RG3 kind of rekindling his career? I think what Robert has to decide is, you know what, it's may take me a couple more years to learn to be a complete drop-back quarterback. So it all depends on if he wants to accept to be that type of guy and learn. Not to mention Jay Moore's Sports LA and Ross Tucker's football podcast. He was wearing cement boots trying to get back from center. And if you love to play fantasy football, we've got you covered with huge podcasts from DraftKings and Fantasy Feast with Ross Tucker. Don't miss a single snap all season long. Head to podcastone.com now. That's podcastone.com. All right, I told you three parts to being fit. Aerobic, I said. Working out. Now, weight training, resistance training, isometrics, push-ups. It doesn't have to be weights. So you say, I can't join a gym. Man, there were gyms, that Planet Fitness thing. It's cheap as hell. Okay, but you, you want, and, and it's good to go to a gym because you get a, a variety of machines. You get out of the house. It's sort of a commitment when you go there. But if you can only do push-ups, sit-ups, that's a start. That'll work. P90X, great system. The workout tapes, tapes, they're great. Again, mix this stuff up too. Change it up. If you do the same exercises over and over and over, you, you'll get results, and then it'll stop giving you results. The body figures out how to cheat. The body gets used to the exercise. You've got to change it up, okay? But remember, start with a workout and aerobics that you can ch- achieve. If you can't do a half, hour, a half hour of aerobics, do 10 minutes. You really need to get up to a half hour to get the benefits, the heart benefits, but Start small, something that you can say, I can live with that. I can do 15 minutes of working out. Do it. Hell, if you can't do 45 minutes two days a week, do 15 minutes you know, six days a week, that could be great. That'll count. But do it. And, here's the good, and the good news is you don't have to work out and run and do abs every day of the week. Like I said, doing a couple of days uh, you know, consistently will do the trick. And once you've gotten fit... Here's more good news. You can go on vacation for a week or so and completely forget about working out. Forget about eating right. That's why they call it a vacation. Nobody gets fit overnight. Nobody gets, gets, gets skinny overnight. And no one gets fat in a week. No one you might put on a couple of pounds or whatever, but no one gets out of shape. If you're in shape, not working out for a week or two or running for a week or two is not going to make you out of shape. I go away on vacation. I don't bring my sneakers with me. A lot of people do. I see them running. I go, what kind of vacation is that? I vacation? I want an effing vacation. I want a vacation from the damn workout. And you know what? It's actually good for your muscle buildup taking a break. 
When you run into a plateau, into a wall, by the way, you're working out and you're not getting results, you're changing up, you're still not getting a change, take a week or two off, but come back to it. It'll, you'll actually come back stronger. This is a fact. Professional bodybuilders do that. Now, the third part of being fit and healthy is diet, of course. You know, as far as your weight goes, diet affects weight. Ex- exercise has very little effect. Have you ever seen those things like, hey, you've got to do this many push-ups to work off one Cinnabon, or you've got to run this many miles to, to work off one, you know, uh, uh, cheese fries. And, you know, um, it, working out, you can't work it out enough. So diet is ultimately that. If you want to lose weight, that's really what's going to affect your weight. Okay? Now, I want to tell you a little something about diet. While they say everyone's metabolism is different, and there is truth to that, the evidence is pretty clear. Carbs are the enemy. Carbs. You, you, you'll see you can eat, you know, not fried foods aside, you can eat all the protein and vegetables and stuff like that you want. And, but you go to carbs, and you kinda, that's where you're going to start losing weight. Trust me on this. Okay, now my father has said a couple things to me, odd words of wisdom over time. This is Mister, what do you want to do with your life? Screaming, you know. But one, he said, always said, no one ever got fat pigging out for a day, and no one ever got skinny by not eating for a day. This is absolutely true. And this seems obvious, but it's a really important thing to remember. So you you can't change your body overnight by starving yourself. That's not the cure. And don't. Think you know uh, you can't treat you you know treat yourself to uh, indulging every now and then. If you can't remove that, uh, the the possibility of enjoying a, a fattening, tasty meal once in a while. You can't if you remove that and think put the words you can never have these foods again. No, I'm not telling you that. I'm saying you absolutely can. Okay, one day either way is not going to kill you. And that comes those words again. It's a, the cumulative effect and the consistency of your lifestyle. Okay? Now, remember this. Committing to a healthy, healthy and fit lifestyle doesn't mean working out every day. I'm, re, re, I'm reinforcing this. Or never eating something bad for you again. The key here, though, is to pick your times that you're going to indulge. Don't indulge on fast food. When you're just throwing food into your body for energy and you're not even enjoying the taste of it, eat things that are good for you and healthy and are not going to put pounds on you. You're going to indulge. Like I have got a, I've got a, I love carbonara, spaghetti carbonara. It is rich. It is creamy. I love it. But I only have it at places that make it good. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat. A, I'm gonna eat something fattening. It's gonna be at a really good restaurant, and it's gonna be delicious. And if I put it in my mouth and it's not delicious, I put the fork down. I'm not wasting those calories. Don't waste the calories. But watch out, because I had to set this rule myself. I would only have, you know, fattening foods and things at special times. It's amazing. Everything became a special time. Oh, it's a day out with the kids. It's a special time. Let's have some ice cream. Oh, it's oh, it's a it's a Friday night. All of a sudden, everything was a special time. That doesn't work for diet. Special times. The special time rule rules got to really be a special time. Okay, just keep that in mind. And whether you're a pescatarian, which is a fish eater, vegetarian, vegan, a meat eater, I'm a meat eater. Red meat too. Not every day. I eat fish, I eat chicken, you know, uh, you know, but they all have their benefits. And, and I work with a nutritionist and he does not dis- discourage me from eating meat. And I said, why don't you? And, uh, you know, red meat. And he goes, he, go, he says, make a bicep. He goes, does that look like a chicken wing? No, it does not. So everything in moderation, right? But from my long time experience and I've cut fats and I've cut calories and I've done di- all kinds of diets it's the carbs. And I love carbs. I love muffins. I like pancakes. I like pasta. I like all those things. I can't have them. I can have them special occasions. 
but I can't have them every day. Can't. And nine out of ten of you listening can't either. That's the reality. So pick and choose your times, and when you're going to have that, you know, Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake, make it a Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake. Make it a delicious one. Not just any piece of crap, you know, snack you get out of a bag in a convenience store. That's a waste. Make it good. All right. Now, just keep something in mind here. There's a difference between living weight and fighting weight. Living weight, fighting weight is weight, you know, is like when you're competing, when an athlete's competing, you're uh, us for, for, for every person, summertime for bathing suits. That's fighting weight. You can't sustain that all year round. You know, we can't be uh, that ripped, you know, and that fighting weight's another level. That me, fighting weight for me is like 180, and living weight for me is 185, but still being thin. It's like a five-pound difference. So as a living weight, and, and key to diet, and this I learned late in life, is riding the scale. That means getting on every day, the same time of day, and I recommend right after you wake up, after you pee, get on the scale. So your body's pretty much in the same place every day because different times of day, you, you know, your weight changes. So you've got to weigh yourself at the same time every day. Um, ride the scale so you know when you start going up in weight and you know you need to make adjustments. All right? This is important. Very important. This is where you catch yourself. If you don't go on a scale, about, I don't want to look. Well, you're going to look one day and you're going to find out you're up 10 pounds and now you're effed. All right? But also, the number doesn't mean anything. We know our bodies. When you look in the mirror and you're naked, we know. Okay, we can hide it with clothes. People say, wow, you look thinner. We know what we look like under our clothes. So don't lie to yourself. Be true to yourself. Okay, now one other thing I want to tell you. Besides going to the gym and running and eating, you need to utilize day-to-day opportunities to reinforce your fitness and healthy lifestyle. Okay, and by that, I mean, remember the, 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 uh, the reverse of the Trace, Trace, Trace Atkins mantra? Okay, you know, never lay when you can sit, never sit when you can stand. Okay, remember my first epiphany when I was 13, how I vowed to take the stairs whenever possible rather than the elevator escalator, even if I have bags? I do, and I take those steps two at a time. That is awesome for glutes, by the way. A, you get up the stairs faster, it's aerobically stronger, and it Makes gives you a great ass. And by the way, 60 years old, I got the ass of a 20-year-old. And he wasn't damn glad to get rid of it. My wife says it's my best feature. Sometimes I walk into the room backwards. I'm telling you. It's great for the buttocks. Okay? And walk faster. Walk like it's important. Walk like you're going someplace. Don't drag your ass around. Take longer strides. You don't got to run. And by the way, when you're on those moving sidewalks, they're not a ride. Walk on the moving sidewalks. Or don't use them at all. Don't get on them. Push yourself into the day-to-day ways you can reinforce things. And by the way, correct your posture. You look around you. Take a moment to look at outside people. See their postures. See the way they stand. See the way their stomachs hang out. Okay? Notice how much worse they get. Like the older they get, the worse their posture is till they're hunched over. Well, that's, that is the cumulative effect right there. You see young people, you go, God, that kid's out, kind of out of shape. And then look at them in their 20s, their 30s, 40s, 50s. Look at people and look at what's happening to them. That's going to happen to you. Bad health and fitness, bad posture is cumulative as well. It doesn't happen overnight. So check yourself, man. Pull back your shoulders. Stick out your chest, your boobs, whatever. Suck in your gut. That, by the way, standing erect, holding in your stomach and walking is actually a workout. It actually builds up core muscles and the surrounding muscles. It does. The, the area between your pelvis and... And your rib cage has the least amount of muscles. This is why we get back aches. Not muscles, bone structure to support it. It's pure muscles there. So as you get older, that's why you get back aches because 
you've got nothing supporting up, no bones to support the lack of muscles. So you've got to keep that area going. Now, there is a fourth part to fitness. It's stretching. Have you ever played with a baby and noticed how insanely limber they are? Like you put their feet like over the heads and they're like laughing their heads off. Yeah, well, cumulatively, over time, we get stiffer and stiffer. That's why the elderly, when they fall, they like break everything. When a kid falls, it's as like they roll and get up. They're used to falling. When's the last time you fell, adults? You can't, when you do fall, what happens? You don't roll, you hit and stick. So stretching keeps you limber and it, younger. It makes you just, your, your body language is younger and it makes you less frail. So you got to get some stretching as well. That's a tough one. I'm going to give you so many parts here. And stretching is important. All right. Now, assuming I've just spoken to you and you're pumped up, you're going to change your life for the better, be prepared. People are going to try and make fun of your effort, discourage your effort, naysay your effort. Why? Because they don't want you to be better than them. They don't have what it takes. I've talked about this before. They can't get their shit together. And you are a reminder how out of shape they are. You are a reminder how they're failing. You're a reminder that you're, that you're doing better and being healthier reminds them how they are not and makes them feel bad about themselves. Well, guess what? It's not your fault. Don't feel guilty. You're not doing it to fuck with them. You're doing it to make yourself better, to make yourself healthier, to feel better yourself. So don't get discouraged. I've got people, I can't believe these people, these fat slobs who have the audacity to make fun of me for eating healthy while they're not, for staying fit. They joke about it. And I just shake my head and bite my tongue because I will be there at their funeral. I will. I will be there. (laughs) All right. Listen. I said, I've got so many people asking me. I want to share that. I, I hope it helps some of you guys out. If it didn't, hey, next week I'm on to another subject. Speaking of which, next week I'm thinking of doing Q&A, meaning send me your questions. Send them to uh, send them to Snyder Comments, at Snyder Comments. Tweet them to me or email me, SnyderComments at gmail.com. Or tw- you know, and uh, next week, if I get enough good questions... I'll uh, answer some questions and get into some of the things that you want to hear me talk about instead of what I want to talk about, all right? Have a great week, everybody. See you next time. Stay tuned for the latest AP News headlines from Podcast One right after this. When shopping for car insurance, consider this. GEICO has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to GEICO.com. After 75 years, they know how to save you money. AP Update. I'm Sandy Kozell. Polls are opening across New Hampshire for the nation's first presidential primary. And that means it's time for Granite State undecided voters to make a choice, as we hear from the AP's Jerry Bodlander. Voters here in New Hampshire are known for waiting until the last minute before deciding who they're pulling the lever for or changing their minds about who they're supporting. Gloria Fields is choosing between Donald Trump and Jeb Bush. Trump because of his business ability. Bush because of what he has done in Florida. Field says she may not decide who she's supporting until she's in the voting booth. All this uncertainty makes polling more difficult, and on top of that, independent voters can vote in either the Republican or Democratic primary. Jerry Bodlander, Manchester, New Hampshire. Polls show Clinton trailing Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. She started her day at 7 a.m. at a Manchester polling location. AP Update, I'm Sandy Kozell.